Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Let me encourage you, please, to turn with me in your Bibles to um, one verse of Scripture in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. And if you're worshiping in the Family Life Center, I welcome the rest of our church family into this time of study, as well as our extended JCBC family, wherever you may find yourself today as you're tuning in or later in the week as you may be uh, catching up on, on the Sunday you missed. Today, the passage comes from Joshua 1, verse 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The reading of the sacred word. It's reliable and it can be trusted. Let's pray together. God, we lean upon the truth of this promise that we don't have to be afraid, that we don't have to be alarmed, that we don't have to move through life nervous because of the truth that you are with us wherever we go. Today, we pray that you would show us the strength of that promise. Today, we pray because we recognize, Lord, that we come from a variety of experiences And each of us is tuning into this moment from a variety of places and with a great diversity of expectations. Some have come with great pain. Some have come with high hope. But all of us come recognizing that we cannot enter into your holy presence and leave the same way we came. So we humble ourselves before you, and we pray that in the nearness of your presence, we might be transformed so that we may leave this place to transform a broken world in your name. We pray all of these things in the name of Christ, the Lord of life. Amen. There is a display in the British Museum of Art in London, of an old map. It dates back to 1525. This old map of 1525, it portrays the coastline of North America and all the adjacent waters that were around it. But as you would imagine, the coastline of North America at that point had not been settled much by by Europeans, at least, (laughs) So there were places on the map where the cartographer put some curious phrases in the unexplored regions of the map, places where no one had gone to chart and record what was out there. 
This is what he put. Here be giants. Here be fiery scorpions. Here be dragons. It almost helps if you read it with like an Irish accent, you know. Here be giants, right? Fiery scorpions and dragons, right? But I want you to just think about that image for just a moment. Think about the power of that parable for just a moment. It's true, a map exists where the cartographer described the unexplored regions as a place where there be giants and there be fiery scorpions and there be dragons. But I want you to think, will you, for just a moment, about your life like a map. Will you think about your life as a map for just a moment? Because every one of us, if we are truthful with ourselves, will recognize there are regions in our lives, in the journey of our lives, where we have boundaried off the unexplored regions. <laughs> and we justify having never explored those regions with you know, good excuses, like, well, there's dragons in that region. But we sound a little different. We say, I've not explored the possibility of this job change because that's too much change at once. I can't have this conversation that I need to have. I've been waiting to have it, but it's going to be more painful than either one of us really want to go with right now. So there be dragons here that I don't want to have to fight. Or maybe it's a spiritual realm in which you recognize that now is the time for you to, 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 to take a step of faith, to, to open your life to the one who gave you life and who loves you. Or maybe it's time to, to make a spiritual decision to join a church or step in the waters of baptism after Olivia's great example, right? But for whatever reason, you know there are boundaried areas in your life where you've just relegated them as unexplored because it's too dangerous. I'm not going there. <laughs> well, it's interesting because that same map that I'm talking about, later it fell into the hands of a man named uh, Sir John Franklin. It, it, he became the owner of the map, and it was in the 1800s. Time had passed, so clearly those regions that were unexplored had now been explored. And you know what he indicated on the map? He, he wrote over on top of the, the previously dangerously named regions, and this is what he put over those same regions, here be God. This, beloved, is, is, is faith. God is always calling us into realms that may have never been explored, may have never been known, and that may terrify us when we think about stepping into those regions. This is what faith is all about. Faith is this mysterious exploration into the mysteries of God. This is why the writer of Hebrews put it this way. The writer of Hebrews said it this way. Now faith is the subject of the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. And to have faith, to say yes to a life of faith, requires something of us, each and every one of us. It requires a courage. 
Every time I say the word courage, I want to say it like the cowardly line a little bit. You know, oh, so courage. The faith requires courage, but courage is a misunderstood virtue or value. You know why? Because most of the time we think of courage as requiring like a, a fearlessness. We think that if, if I'm going to be courageous, it means that I have to have no fears, that only courageous people are, are the ones who are fearless. But that's not what courage is. Courage is not the absence of fear. All right, so Nelson Mandela, 27 years as a political prisoner under apartheid in South Africa. When he was released in 91 and then later subsequently elected as the nation's first democratically elected um, president or leader, uh, executive leader, he was asked about courage and how he endured those 27 long years as a prisoner. And this is what he said. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. Uh, the brave man is, is, is not... He who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Isn't that good? Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the conquering of it. To be courageous doesn't mean that you have no fears at all. It means that in the midst of daunting, risky circumstances, something arises within you that allows you to overcome the very thing that makes you believe there be dragons ahead. Right? In fact, I would even say it this way. Courage without some risk is not courage at all. Courage without the risk of loss or failure or embarrassment or harm is not courage. It's a little bit like the, the man who was bragging about how he, he cut off the tail of a lion with his pocket knife. And when he was asked, well, why didn't you cut, cut his head off? He said, well, the head was already cut off. See, courage is not courage is not about having the absence of fear. Courage is about facing fear head on and yet allowing something to emerge, to rise up within you that is so very different. In fact, this is what it means to do what Olivia did for us in a little while ago, to demonstrate a willingness to follow wherever he leads. In fact, this is where your calling will always take you. In fact, I'll put it this way. Your calling in Christ must always be just beyond your capacity to master it. Otherwise, it's not Christ who's calling. Whatever it is that Christ is calling you to do, and Christ calls everyone to something, to love someone, to go somewhere, to say something, to do something, to serve somebody... Christ calls everyone to do, to be something. But your calling in Christ must always be just beyond your capacity to master it. Your capacity to somehow uh, be in charge of it and comfortable while you, while you execute it. Again, I'll put it this way. Just in case you think I'm up here waxing eloquent on you know, courage as a theory, I'm telling you, this is not something that the King family has not done ourselves. Every time a pastor moves, every time someone moves from a church to another church, there is an uprooting of everything familiar. You got to realize something. You know, so next week, uh, it will be seven years ago, next week, uh, 
that I stood on this platform for the very first time and preached in view of a call, and you suckers bought it. <laughs> yeah, and seven years ago next week, suckers. Well, but coming to that decision, well, it was a roll of the dice on our part, and it was a roll of the dice on your part. There was risk ahead, and I want you to know that the season leading up to that decision was filled with discernment and prayer and anguished struggle and conversation because there was a great deal of unknown ahead. But during that season, Laura and I learned something um, firsthand that has been a universal truth. It has been an absolute truth in our lives. Unless your calling takes you to some realm that is beyond your capacity to control it or master it or manipulate it, then it's not a calling worth pursuing. But rather, God will always call you just a little bit beyond what your skill can take you to lead. He will take you to realms just beyond your ability, beyond your talent, beyond your resources, beyond your bag of tricks. And why? So that somewhere in that realm where there are giants and scorpions and, and you know, dragons, beware, you somehow learn to lean upon the everlasting arms. If you're not leaning upon the everlasting arms, but only depending on the strength of your own arms to fulfill the calling that Christ has called you to, to perform in this life, well, the reality is your calling is too small. Christ will always call you beyond the edge of your ability so that you depend upon him like you never have before. Even in realms where there are giants and scorpions and dragons, beware. But here's another truth that we have learned along the way. The call of God will never take you where the grace of God will not sustain you. The call of God will never take you where the grace of God will not sustain you. There is this myth that, that we believe from time to time. This myth goes something like this. Well, God will never put on me more than I can handle. And, and really, we don't intend to, to misinterpret the scriptures, but the scripture, that's a distortion of a verse in the Bible. The verse is, you will not be tempted beyond your ability to deal with that temptation, right? But we say, it, God will never put on us more than we can bear. Well, that's bull butter, okay? That's, no. If you read the scriptures at all seriously, you realize that's exactly what God does all the time. God will always put on you more than you can bear so that in underneath that load that you bear, you learn to lean upon the one whose shoulder is stronger than yours. Now, why is all this important? Because... The truth is, you, you, this is what courage is all about, saying yes to a thing that takes you beyond where you've ever been. And it's all important because we're talking about this as a church. See, this series, that kind of church series, we're looking at all the different values that shape us and define who we are as a congregation. And we've looked at several of these core values, but today's core value, we call it congregational courage. We believe here that we, we have a congregational courage within the DNA of JCBC. And this is how we describe it. This is what we say. Believing God is always calling the church to new and next steps of faith 
and further believing by remembering our own story or our own history that God's calling always comes with some risk, we value the congregational courage required to always remain faithful to God's call wherever it may lead. Now, you may be new to Johns Creek Baptist. If you're new to Johns Creek, you, you may know a little bit about our story. You may at least know that next month we'll be 26 years old as the Johns Creek Baptist Church. But what you might not know, if you're a newcomer here, is that the story of us goes far beyond 26 years ago. It begins in 1875. A group of courageous followers of Jesus gathered together to form the Corinth Baptist Church. In 1920, the area in Chambly became incorporated and the Corinth Baptist Church joined with some other believers and became, changed their name, changed their mission, changed their focus. They became the Chambly Baptist Church. In 1950, uh, the, the area in Chambly grew with such explosive growth that there were other churches, other neighbors, and, and other amazing churches popped up all around. And so the identity and the focus of their mission needed to be uh, fine-tuned a little, and they changed their name once again to the First Baptist Church of Chambly. In 1991, after about a decade and a half of, of steady decline and challenge, the, the culture around the church shifted so drastically over that, that decade and a half that the church tried everything that it could think of to be a presence in the community, and, and still it was losing members and declining in attendance and engagement. In 1991, they had a decision on their hands. They had to decide, what are we going to do? This courageous congregation said, we have some choices. On the one hand, we could just have a dignified death. We could just, we could disband. Or we could vote to do whatever it takes to live. And they voted in 1991 to relocate to another place where they could rebirth an identity as a church again. And they had no idea where they were going. They were going to a region they had no idea. They made the vote to go before they had a place to go. And in 1993, they opened their doors right here because God had provided a space of land where at the time there were giants and fiery scorpions and uh, dragons. In other words, Forsyth County. <laughs> And in 1993, the doors flung open to a new identity, Johns Creek Baptist Church. Well, fast forward even a little further. So at the end of 2012, you suckers invited me to be your next pastor. And we began a conversation, a number of conversations. And when I arrived, one that had been going on for some time was an idea about worship. Who are we in our worship identity? And for two years, my first two years together as pastor and people, I, had, I can't tell you how many conversations in the hallways and at lunch tables and at, at Starbucks. You know, that's how the addiction continued, you know, over could we ever entertain the possibility of two kinds of worship services, two options for our neighbors to choose from. And for two years, we, I said, we, we don't make that kind of decision from the top down. That doesn't come from one person. That kind of courage and that kind of decision, the wisdom comes from the pews, and so after two years in, I called us in the state of the church, I called us to have an intelligent congregational dialogue because at the time I said, courageous churches take on difficult issues face-to-face -face 
and talk about what matters most. And starting at that point, moving forward, we took another two years to study and to discern and to have big groups and small groups decide what, who are we and what does it mean. We did sermon series, and on May the 25th, 2016, you voted unanimously to expand our worship options into, into two venues, two options, and now we are poised to meet our neighborhood like we never have been before. And this is what it looks like to be a courageous congregation. But here is what I want you to hear more than anything else. Courageous churches do not exist without courageous Christians. Courageous churches are made up of courageous Christians. A courageous church isn't designed by one person who does most of the talking on Sundays. It's not even designed or led or inspired by a group of leaders. A courageous church, for it to be a sustained courageous church, is filled with individuals who in their individual, personal, spiritual lives with Christ, they themselves are personally willing to follow Christ off the map. What is it? that Christ is calling you to do, your family to do? What step is it that Christ is calling you to take in his name? Because a courageous church is made up of courageous Christians who refuse to take the easy road, but who always, even in the midst of danger, risk, and fear, follow Christ into realms where there be giants, scorpions, and dragons see this this is who we are we are that kind of church and the reason that we focus on courage as a core value is because we cannot survive and thrive unless we are willing to recognize christ is always calling us to places where we have not yet ventured now why is all this important I'm telling you, there is something courageous, something contagious about courage. Why is it important that the church right now is focusing on an initiative that in about a month you're going to hear about? Four major initiatives, one of which has as its sole purpose to empower every single man, woman, boy, and girl to discover her or his God-given call. Why? Why is that important? Because if, if Olivia and her sisters in faith and her brothers in faith grow up in a church where it's the expectation that we all serve into realms of risk for Christ, well, there's something contagious about that. Uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes was a, um, an associate justice of the Supreme Court. He was wounded twice in the Civil War, and he, and he spoke about what it means to be heroic, what it means to have courage this is what he said he said at the grave of a hero we end not with sorrow at the inevitable loss but with the contagion of courage when you see courage in action something emerges within you to be courageous and that is true especially in, in when it comes to spiritual courage our bible is filled with example after example the people of Israel, the children recently freed from, from slavery. 
They're standing at the brink of the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his armies are pressing in from behind. And God gives Moses the command, tell the children to cross on dry land. And then he tells Moses to lift his rod and separate the waters. But it's interesting the order in which it happens. The order to cross over happened before the waters were actually divided. In other words, somebody in their number had to be the first one to get their feet a little bit wet. There's something contagious about courage. And all the children crossed on dry land. They're at the bank of the Jordan River. It's 40 years later. Moses is dead. Joshua is now leading And they're about to occupy the promised land that had been given to them from uh, the promise given their ancestors years before. And he says these words to a shaky, not too certain people. These words from Joshua. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors serve in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, We will serve the Lord. And in response to one person's courage, the whole number of them said, well, then who are we to abandon the God who has gotten us this far? And they all cross over and into the land of promise. See, courage, especially spiritual courage, is contagious. That's why David and Goliath is such a great story in our scriptures it's not just a child story it's not just a great story about facing your personal giants i mean it's all that too you realize there's some serious political maneuvering in that passage it wasn't just about the individual david who overcame his individual giant but upon seeing the courage of that one an entire number of them the entire army of israel was empowered with a courage that was contagious and they swept down into the valley and the day was turned And maybe even the best example comes from the New Testament about how courage is contagious. One of the biggest controversies in the New Testament, the very first big controversy, was who can come to church? I mean, Paul says, well, anybody can come to church. Peter says, well, yeah, they can come, but they really need to become Jewish first. Because Jesus was Jewish, we're Jew- we, this thing started with the Jews, they, they need to be circumcised before becoming a Christian, and, and they need to follow our dietary laws before they become a Christian. And Paul's like, are you, you out of your mind? No, in Christ there's this freedom. And there was a friction, and I'm telling you, it was intense. Until, until Peter goes to dinner with some Greeks, some non-Jews, who were following Christ and who he could see has the spirit in them. And he says, the thing that I thought was unclean is now not unclean. And the the tide turned for the identity of the church. And the good news is that means that you and I got to become Christians. How about that? And still eat bacon. I mean, you can't get any better than that. It's fantastic, right? This is what I'm saying, that courage, especially so spiritual courage is contagious. That's why we make a big deal out of everybody who makes a choice in this church. If you make a choice to open your life to Jesus, if you make a choice to open your heart to the one who has redeemed you from your sin, we're going to make a big deal out of that because your courage inspires something within all of us to remember he's always fixing us. 
If you decide to join the church, become baptized, say yes to a mission trip, right? Whatever it is that you're doing, we celebrate that because courage is contagious. And that's how we will remain as this courageous church, one who believes that God is always calling us to realms where we've never been. So everything you and I will face together in our future, over the next 26 years more, right, will be faced no matter how difficult, no matter how challenging, with a mutual love and the capacity to muster a, a courage that follows the call of Christ even in realms where there be giants and fiery scorpions and dragons, beware, because that is where God is. And we are that kind of church. Let the church say amen. amen. Let's pray together. God, in this moment of recognition that you, that you truly do call us to to bear our cross, to pick up a cross and follow you, that in this moment of recognition, you never call us to simply choose the easy way, but the way that may wind, that may be rough, that may include mountains and valleys. Recognizing that you are always calling us, we pray right this moment that you would instill within someone the courage to step forward right now to make a decision this day, to no longer be content with where they are, but to want to chase you down wherever it is that you bid us come. We pray these things in the name of Christ, the Lord of life. Amen.